0: at butcherbox.com/morningcup and use code morningcup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives here, is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof: Murder at the Warehouse wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders, fifteen miles one away. as reminiscent found a weird. How do you solve a murder without a body? How do you catch a serial killer when all you have is a long list of missing persons reports? On September 1st, 1998, a chance encounter ended up with an arrest that, after some questioning, put away a serial killer in Poughkeepsie, New York, that may have otherwise taken years to solve. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. By January of 1997, Poughkeepsie police began noticing a terrifying trend amongst their local sex workers. They seemed to keep disappearing off the face of the earth. It started with 30 year old Wendy Myers, who was reported missing in October of 1996 after she was last seen at the Valley Rest Motel in Highland. Then there was Gina Barone, whose mother reported her missing in December of 1996. She was last seen on November 29th arguing with a man on the street corner. Then, just one month later, 47-year-old Kathleen Hurley disappeared after being seen walking in the downtown area of Poughkeepsie. By this point, police grew concerned and began an investigation into the women's whereabouts. They began asking other workers in the area, and one name kept coming up, Kendall Francois. The women claimed that he was a frequent customer who was notorious for being rough during sex. Now, since being rough really isn't a crime, all they could do was place him under surveillance and wait for him to slip up. Then came a missing persons report for a woman named Catherine Marsh. She, like the women before her, was a small, petite, white, brown-haired, blue-eyed sex worker, and police had a hunch it was connected with the others but they had Kendall under surveillance. So how did they miss it? Well, Catherine had actually been missing since November 11, 1996. And for whatever reason, it took her mother four months to report her missing. Police began combing through rap sheets and Jane Doe listings, but came up empty. So they reached out for help. They contacted the FBI about a month after Catherine's report. And while they were eager to help, there was very little to go by. These women had vanished. There were no bodies, no crime scene, and only one very flimsy suspect. They really weren't sure how they could help. Then that November, a fourth woman was reported missing. A retired New York State corrections officer came to the police and asked for their help. His daughter, Mary Giacone, had been missing since February of 1997. And in that time, her mother had passed away. He needed their help to find her so he could tell her of her mother's passing and attend the funeral. She was last seen in the same area as the other women, and of course, had similar physical features. Even after a year, Kendall Francois was still the only lead they had. He was a lifelong resident of Poughkeepsie who lived with his parents, but after surveillance, interviews, and even checking his room, there were no leads. They continued turning to the girls for help in solving the case, and again and again, Kendall Francois's name just kept coming up. He was a man who scared a lot of them, said he squeezed their necks and was a little too rough during sex. So they continued to follow him, and when they saw him enter the red light district on January 18th, 1998, they brought him in again for a polygraph test, which he passed with flying colors. Just when they started to think that maybe Kendall wasn't their man, they heard from some of the women that Kendall had assaulted one of the girls. He picked up a woman named Laura Gallagher on January 23rd, 1998, and once they went back to his place, he began choking her to the point of unconsciousness. When she came to, Laura fought back and managed to get away from him and demand he take her back to where they met. He did so, and once she was safely away from him, she relayed her story to the other women, who in turn headed straight for the officers working the case. She was brought in for questioning, but refrained from signing a deposition until February 26th. Once she did, Kendall was immediately arrested. He pleaded guilty to assault and was sentenced to just 15 days in prison. He was released after seven, and just four weeks later, another woman went missing. On June 12th, 1998, Sandra Jean French, 51-year-old mother of three was reported missing. Her car found just three blocks from the Francois home. Then came Audrey Puglis and Katina Newmaster that August. But despite claiming more victims, police had nothing concrete to arrest him on. They were left powerless until September 1st, 1998, when Kendall strangled and abducted a woman who fled his home. Later that afternoon, two Poughkeepsie police detectives just so happened to be getting gas in preparation for handing out missing persons flyers about Katina Newmaster when they were flagged down by a woman with an interesting story. She claimed that a woman walking away from the gas station had just been assaulted and the attacker, Kendall Francois, had just pulled away. They immediately tracked down the woman and brought her into the station to file a complaint. With this new complaint, they moved swiftly to his home to question him about the recent attack. He was brought into the station that same day. Over the course of several hours, made enough of a confession that he was arrested and charged with Katina's murder. They searched his home, and the next day, found the bodies of eight females, five in the attic and three in the basement. Seven of the bodies were that of women they knew were missing, and the eighth was a woman whose disappearance had never been reported. Only one woman remained missing from inside of the home, Michelle Eason, who disappeared in September of 1997. Though, because she would have been his only black victim, some have ruled her out. Her body has never been recovered. During his confession, police learned that most of the women were manually strangled out of anger or during the course of sex. Audrey, however, received a massive beating. He would often wash the bodies post-mortem before placing them in plastic bags and disposing of them within the home. The only reason he switched from the attic to the basement was because the attic grew too crowded. Two days after his arrest, Kendall Francois was indicted for the murder of Katina Newmaster. He appeared in court on September 9, 1998 and entered a not guilty plea. A month later, he was charged with eight counts of first-degree murder eight counts of second-degree murder, and attempted assault. With these new charges and the potential death penalty, his lawyers entered a guilty plea on December 23, 1998, thus avoiding a jury trial. But on February 11, 1999, the county court ruled that they were not going to accept his guilty plea. His lawyer quickly took it to the Court of Appeals and they upheld the guilty plea in March of 2000. With all of the delays done, Kendall Francois was finally given his sentence, life in prison without the possibility of parole. He remained in prison where, on September 11, 2014, he passed away. The prison stated that his death was the result of cancer, but many think it was due to his HIV diagnosis, which was revealed during his 2000 trial. Either way, the monster is no longer here.